Working, this is Bonnie Ruth, and I'm so excited to have you joining in today. I get the honor of having a conversation and hearing the story of my friend Lachey. Thank you for coming along with us. Well, I am so excited to have you here today, Lachey. We have been friends for like 10 years at least, and our lives have gone in different paths like multiple times. But what I love is that somehow we always come back to reconnecting. And her husband's name is Jason as well. So hopefully that doesn't get confusing (laughs) for listeners today. I usually call my Jason Jace though, so we might be good. But I'm just so honored to have you here because even in the times where our lives have veered in different directions, both location and time and places, um, I've watched you guys from afar and I've seen just the integrity in which you've lived your life and... I'm so excited for people to hear how you've navigated your story. Um, So I want to hear a little bit about you, a little bit about your family, and then we're just going to navigate from there. Amen. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) Um, Well, goodness. Um, Well, Jason and I have been married. Um, We just celebrated 14 years. Wow. um, Last week. And we have three beautiful children. We moved to Dallas 2007 um, and made Texas our home, and it's been a beautiful journey here. Lots of healing has taken place in Texas. Um, I come from a large family. I'm one of five children, very blended family. Awesome. Um, My parents got married when I was in second grade. my stepdad is from Puerto Rico. Um, well, that's so awesome. Grew up hearing Spanish. And, yeah. Um, have, and have just been really intentional about um, making our home a diverse place. I love in our, that. In our lives. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I just love that intentionally, Jason and I both um, try to create a space in our home for our children, mm. our lives, yeah. everything that we do. That's um, good. Diverse. That's good. I beautiful. love that. <laughs> well, and what's powerful about that is, especially in today's culture, Lachey, like yeah. they, your kids need to grow up and understanding the diversity is such a beautiful thing. And not just yes. in race, but in all things. Yes. You know, diversity in mindset, diversity in style, diversity in all the things, yes. right? Yes. And I love that you guys you guys have always represented that. And you didn't even have kids when we first met you, right? Well, well actually, we had you, Jada. You did. Oldest. You had Jada. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I, you guys have always lived that authentically. And I think that's so beautiful because in our culture today, in this, mm-hmm. in this current climate, you just get to be authentically who you are. And you and I have had that conversation like yes. in the last few weeks of like living authentically, like yes. diversity in our lives in all areas. Yes. And so I just want to commend you because your kids live that well live that well thank you thank you so you and jason have been married for 14 years and how many kids do you guys have we have three children okay awesome and their names jada she's our oldest which Um, just blows my mind yeah she's so cute (laughs) thank you and then we have sage she is seven awesome true middle child (laughs) youngest uriah he is two and a half that's awesome that's awesome well, I, I know your kiddos are some of the cutest kids that were ever created. So just Thank FYI, you. like, especially with those girls, Jason's going to be pulling out the... <laughs> oh, yes. We have already had those funny yeah. conversations. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Um, so talk to us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your story. You guys have three kids, but you mm-hmm. guys have walked through miscarriages and you've walked through some things in your marriage in regards to that area. And I just want to hear a little bit today about your story and just sharing with the listeners, like how have, first of all, you take that wherever you'd like to today, Lachey, of just, um, you know, share with us a little bit about, um, I, I say miscarriages and marriage because it's, it's a real thing that you have to walk through when that happens. But you guys have a dynamic where you did have kids as well. So kind of share with us just wherever you'd like to go with that um, on just how you guys have walked that piece of your journey. I feel like a lot in our lives um, 
happened really fast. Mm. We got married in college. And so for one, we were the first of our friends kind of stepping out into the, the marriage journey. Yeah. And it was kind of isolating. Yeah, it is. We were too. That's like such a weird phase. (laughs) It really is. Like you you only want to isolate for a little bit and then you're like, wait, crap, we need friends. Yeah, we need mentors. Yeah. How do we do this? Yeah, exactly. And so that's exactly what we did. Mm. We um, we partnered with a ministry called the Wesley Foundation. They mm. were very big on our campus. And um, we met um, an older couple who did such an incredible job of mentoring us. We met on a Katrina relief mission trip. Oh, wow. And um, Dave and Barb, we still keep in touch That's awesome. to this day. He kind of took Jason under his wing and um, Barb took me under her wing. I and love that. It was just a beautiful relationship. And so we had to learn what it looked like to have a kingdom marriage, be kingdom focused mm. and finish school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, um, we got married and then... <laughs> I have friends that jokingly call it fellowshipping. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we got pregnant really fast. Okay. And, um, we also, after, right after we got, pre- so we got married in 2006. Um, and then we got pregnant in 2006. Wow. And then I miscarried in 2006. So wow. 2006 for us was a beautiful, um, beginning of our story. And it was also, um, a challenging part of our story and I think that's when the the isolation came in because for one we were married yep and our group of friends we were the only ones that were married but then we were walking through this miscarriage and wow um Jason was actually out of state um Mm. so I was by myself at home and I drove myself to the emergency room oh my goodness Lachey um and I didn't know what I needed I didn't know what was happening Mm. I had never walked through that before, um, wow. but I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Um, I think I remember calling my mom, mm. and it was like, oh, honey, you'll be okay, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And then I called my boss <laughs> um, because we had just gotten so close. Yeah. Miss um, Kathy. That's and amazing. She was just God very, brings those people, right? Yeah. She yeah. was just very... Um, sensitive to what was going on asked me if she wanted if, if I needed her to come over and mm. I was like no I think I just want to be by myself yeah so you know there I am in the emergency room and the doctors I hear him kind of whisper the words oh, poor girl oh. and that's when I knew I was like okay yeah this is happening yeah and drove myself home and I, I was just in shock. I don't even remember crying. Mm-hmm. It was just, I was like, what do I do? I need to call my husband. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I got a hold of Jason. He was interviewing for jobs, trying to get us, wow. get our life settled in Texas yeah. before we moved. And um, he flew home as soon as possible. But we didn't say much mm. when he came home. Um there was a lot of, are you okay? Can I get you anything? Yeah. Um, we prayed. Mm-hmm. Um, we told our friends. They dropped cards by, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to open the door. Yeah. I didn't know what to talk about. Right. So it was a very quiet season. Um, be- not only in my marriage, but also in my friendships. Um, wow. A lot of alone time with the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, let me, I want to jump in there for, for a second if I can, because first of all, like that's a whole lot, a whole lot of, to deal with in your first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, not only the adjustment of being the only ones married, which like we said, can be so awkward mm-hmm. and you're trying to navigate that. Then you have the fact that you're also navigating being married to this person that you love and you dated, but being married to them is a lot different than dating them. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real about yep. that. Um, and not always in a bad way, but it's just, it's so different. Mm-hmm. And so that hurdle of transition is large enough and you've already got two on the table. 
and then now you've gotten pregnant and you've miscarried. So first of all, you have to navigate the transition of being pregnant and the celebration of that, but also the like, oh my gosh, we've been married for a year and we're pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Then on the table you have, oh my gosh, I've just lost my baby. Friend, that's a whole lot to navigate and for you guys to be young, but also um, there's no doubt in my mind that you guys didn't realize how you were setting yourself up with those people that God brought into your life. Like, had you not had that, I can't even imagine how you would have walked this. But still seeing a sense of isolation and fear and insecurity that comes and shame that comes. Like, there's something about when a woman gets pregnant and we miscarry, there's a sense of shame that comes with that. And I think like that's where we begin to isolate ourselves because it's an oxymoron. It's like, this isn't my fault, but I'm so ashamed because why did this happen? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's like this evil thing that just tries to pop in when we, when we have that happen. But what is so normal about what you guys experience is that moment of like, okay, I have a caring husband, right? Like Jason cares. He's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can I get you anything? What, what do you, but you guys don't know how to have a conversation, mm-hmm. the hard conversation around the pain, right? Yep. So you're a year in and you're facing something that is a hard conversation, but you're not having it. Mm-hmm. And I think like that in itself creates an isolation that couples have to end up overcoming down the road. But what I, what I can to attest to today is that you guys have, and I know there's much more to yes. your story that we're going to get to today, but I just want to tell everybody, like, you can overcome it. Yes. But that was the first, like, nail in the little coffin of trying to isolate you from one another. Mm-hmm. And I hate that that happened to you, but I also know how normal that is. Yeah. And, I mean, seeing where you are today, like, I'm so freaking proud of you guys. Like, I didn't even know this part of your story, actually, until right now. And the fact that you made it past your first year of marriage is actually a huge accomplishment. So, we haven't even gotten to the rest of it, but, like, that alone is a huge accomplishment. Because, and I want other couples to hear that, because first-year miscarriages are really common. Um... But what happens is couples don't end up ever having the hard conversations and navigating their emotions and feelings. And then what happens is they don't make it. They don't make it because it created a pattern in their life. And what I love is that today your story is going to be a testament as we continue on in it that I hope every woman, every couple will grab hold of that if you'll eventually have the hard conversations, you can make it. Yeah. You can't, you don't have to stop in that one thing. That one thing doesn't have to be the nail in the coffin, right? That's good. So I just want to encourage listeners today as we even just continue down your story to know that that moment did not have to crush you guys. It felt no, crushing. It did. It felt crushing. That's a whole, like I said, a whole lot, a whole lot of, to navigate. Yep. Um, but it didn't crush you. And I want people today to hear that as a theme throughout the rest of our conversation is that you do not have to be crushed by the one thing that feels crushing. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, so I remember as you were talking, I remember driving home because Mm. I went to a small state school in Missouri about an hour and a half from home. So I just remember thinking, you know what? I need my mom. Yeah. So I drove home hoping to get, um, not only like the physical touch, yeah, but some sort of mm. like compassion, healing words, healing, yeah. compassion. I yeah, like, I always thought mom knows what to say. Yeah. mom knows what to do. Yeah. I'm gonna go home. I need mom. Um, and that didn't happen. Yeah, and to it was so unfair for me. I put a lot of weight. I feel on my family to mm. show up in a way that one they didn't know how because our family had point. never experienced this That's before. That's a good point, Lachey. It didn't 
my mom had never experienced the miscarriage is having babies was very easy for her Mm. um and so this was very new for her wow and when she didn't step up to my expectations Mm. um she had already like i walked in the door and she had already offended me wow and i couldn't even explain why and she didn't even know she had no clue she had you know what that is this is such a good part to talk about right here friend because and i've addressed it a little bit in other episodes of like how other people just don't know what to do if they haven't ever experienced it and some they've experienced it but they've locked it away and so they don't respond properly and it's amazing to me how And I think this isn't anything and any barrenness in our life. When we have barrenness in an area of our lives, Mm -hmm. it's often the area that we most get offended in. Yep. And so you have a moment of barrenness and your expectation of what you needed wasn't met, right? And what I love is, is how you worded that is they didn't know how. And I think sometimes we... Now, let's just be real. Sometimes people are just stupid and ignorant and insensitive, and that's got to stop no matter what it is in our life. We should always be compassionate and tender and sensitive. And it probably wasn't even that your mom wasn't compassionate or tender. It wasn't the way that you thought you needed it. And so when we have expectations around someone, first of all, if they don't know, they're never going to be able to meet it. Exactly. And so unfortunately that happened with you and your mom and there's an offense there where now even if she can offer something that you need you can't receive it I can't receive it isn't that crazy how that cycle happens in our life and and it's so many things Mm -hmm. like um again it can be any area of our life but for you in that moment you were hurting you were grieving you've experienced loss not just physically but emotionally and Mm -hmm. mentally and spiritually you felt so disappointed and disillusioned and I think, wow, your mom could never feel all that for you, right? But right. we want someone to feel it. And that happens in marriage too. Even Jason couldn't feel all the things that you were feeling. And so we get entrapped in expecting others to be able to feel or know how we feel. Mm-hmm. And then we actually miss out on the comfort that they can give. So I am so grateful that you shared that with us today because I, w- I really hope that that moment right there will ignite in someone to give forgiveness but also to give compassion back right now if someone's being a jerk like let's just be honest like you need to set a boundary and have some good healthy like self-awareness enough to like not put yourself in that situation but what's so beautiful about what you shared is you went with an expectation your family didn't know the expectation probably tried maybe didn't do everything right Mm -hmm. But if their hearts were pure, the enemy came in and tried to twist that so then you couldn't even receive any of it. And I think like it's so important that we, in those tender moments, take a step back for a minute, which is like the heart, I'm the worst at this, so I'm just going to admit that, to step back and be like, okay, let me actually assess what just happened instead of reacting emotionally. Um, but it is hard to do. And in that moment, like, I think you have to have grace on yourself that you couldn't do that in that moment as well, you know? So there's grace and compassion for that. But to, with the relationships in our lives, when we have these moments, when we experience a miscarriage and loss to be able to one, speak up and share what we need. I think that's so key if someone would have educated you in that, but Mm -hmm. let's be honest, like the first time we all miscarried, like I've miscarried three times and the first time I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know what I needed, but I wish, I so wish there was like this way to like flip that around and ignite in women, the ability to have their own voice and to have it before something like that happens. Because if we had our own voice and if we were aware of ourselves before those things happen what a difference that would have made for both of us Lachey like we would have experienced a difference with ourselves in our own grief and with our family that's good and so I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's such a key thing where if we would grow ourselves and be self-aware before trauma happens 
before loss happens, we can rise up for ourselves in a way that we can't otherwise. And then other people can actually rise up with us yes. because we have a voice that we haven't used before. Yes. So That's thanks for good. letting me veer that way. Keep going, keep going. This is um, good stuff. So I was just doing the math while you were talking. Um, it took me eight years to figure out what I needed. Mm. That's um, a long time, friend. So after that miscarriage, we moved to Texas. We graduated college. I graduated 2006. I got my first job. Jason graduated in um, that spring 2007, and we hit the ground running uh, to Texas. Like, we got here as fast as we could, <laughs> and we had enough money in our pockets for first month's rent. Wow. In my prayer, I remember, Lord, just give us a place to live yeah. and give us a church home. That's great. And he did all that in the first few weeks we were there. That's awesome. Um, immediately found a community, mm. got deeply involved, um, found uh, a life group of people to do life with. That's great. Um, Makes a difference, right? It really, yeah. really does. Yeah. Um, so it's 2007. We're in Texas. We had our first baby I remember having a conversation with Jason I was like I think I'm ready mm. um so the thing with my husband he was just like I just I want a lot of kids mm. and I was scared of that statement because yeah. I had made this horrible inner vow mm. that I didn't want to get married and I didn't want to have kids wow because of the way I had seen it done mm -hmm. and I was afraid that our one my marriage whoever it was to, yeah. would end in divorce mm. or the kids I had would wind up hurt mm. or full of wounds. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful that we ran to Texas because as soon as we found our community, we found healing. Mm. Um, and so walking so through that healing gave me peace yeah. about starting, wanting to start a family. Yeah. And so I remember... I. I remember this green skirt I had on even. I was sitting <laughs> in the floor. Isn't that funny how we remember random things like yes. that? That's awesome. I was sitting in the floor and I remember um, just saying, I feel I feel like it's time. I feel ready mm -hmm. to explore yeah. trying. Yeah. Um, and we got pregnant and had Jada in 2008. Wow. Um, beautiful first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it was wonderful, but then I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm done again. Mm. And I got scared all over again. Mm. And I was like, I'm afraid to be a mom of two. Mm. And then I got to a place where I was like, okay, we walked through some more healing. Yeah. Another layer of healing had taken place. I love that. It's all layers, girl. Oh, it's all about gosh. the layers. <laughs> so many layers. Yeah. So many um, yeah. <laughs> freedom freedom sessions yep. and um, talks, but um, we tried, we started trying again in 2012 and we had our second miscarriage. Mm. I was like, this is really yeah. interesting. And by that time, my sister had walked through a still, a stillbirth. Oh. And so we were able to um, communicate in a new way with wow. each other yeah you could connect on it in a different yeah. way have a different kind of conversation yeah. yeah sadly I couldn't be in the state but mm -hmm. we connected over the phone yeah. and we were able to talk a little bit and I still don't even think I, I showed up mm. the way I should I don't know mm. um but we've well, had when great you're in conversation your own pain, yeah you don't true. always know how to show up yeah that's true yeah. I was navigating my own stuff too yeah um I don't know where wow. I was going. But. Well, I think, let me hone in real, right there for a minute. Is like, okay, so you've already said, like, I'm scared to have a second baby. Mm -hmm. Then you get pregnant and you miscarry again. So, like, another, like, yep. another little nail in the coffin for fear and disappointment mm -hmm. and pain and grief. And I think, you know, we knew you guys right around that time and we were still in each other's lives in that time. Yep. And you guys were real quiet about it. I remember super mm -hmm. quiet about it. And, you know, I, th I think what's so 
important I think for us to talk about today is that when when you've had multiple right sometimes we can actually like sweep the first one under the rug sometimes Mm -hmm. but then when you have a second one you're like wait a minute like that Mm -hmm. just triggered a whole lot of stuff yep and you are kind of faced with the decision am I going to face the death and the loss that Mm -hmm. I feel or am I gonna let the doctors shrug it up to like oh it's super common it happens like my doctor for my first miscarriage was like oh you probably weren't that far along it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. like it happens all the time okay well it freaking happened to me and and it hasn't it doesn't happen all the time for me so like this doesn't feel okay you know but that goes back again to I hadn't developed my own self-awareness and voice to be able to show up for myself that's good and so I think what this moment is defining is like are you going to be able to step up for yourself yeah and now navigate the first one because now now you got to navigate both of them you can't navigate the second one and not navigate the first one yeah and so I think um what I'd love to hear is just kind of how did you start navigating to show up for yourself and like start grieving that? Hmm. That's such a good question. <laughs> for me, um, I write more than I talk. Mm, okay. Um, the process of writing through it mm. helped me to process talking through it, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because it helped me to find words. Yeah. Um, I had to write it down. Um, I remember writing Jason letters. Mm. I still write him letters because That's great. I love that. it helps me to communicate better. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can erase a word that might not sound very good <laughs> before. You're better than me, girl. I just open my mouth and it just comes out and Jason's like, what the hell just hit me? <laughs> well, not all the time. Not all the time. But just concerning like the yeah, healing. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Of, of the miscarriage because he had his own process Mm. too yeah that's good I don't think in retrospect I did a good job of checking on him Mm. and you know what is so sad is that super common I think we expect them to be okay and show up for us but I, I I don't think our culture has done a great job of teaching us in loss like that how to show up for them and sometimes it's just we're so like deep down in our own pain Mm -hmm. but yeah that's so key and I know I've done the same thing to Jason like in our 19 years of this journey like there have been times where one I couldn't to be honest we just couldn't show up for each other like we just had to fend for ourselves and thank God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit and we were like surviving Yeah. yeah but there have been times where I just did not I did not engage myself, right? I think Mm -hmm. that's a a key thing because I I don't think it's that I couldn't. I think it's that I didn't. I stayed in my own pain and my own trauma and Mm -hmm. I didn't show up for him. And so I can relate to that. It's a hard thing to to overcome when you realize that you didn't show up for them either. And you're like, I'm all pissed off because they didn't show up for me, but like, I didn't show up for you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's oh good, friend. That's good. How do you feel like, um, have you guys had that conversation of like how to show up for each other? Um, not more, not really like a how to. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think just talking about the hard stuff got easier. That's good. As we matured, mm. matured in our walk with the Lord, yeah. matured in our marriage. Yeah, that's good. Matured in age. Um, yeah, but I think I know it got easier, um, in 2014 Mm. when I found this ministry called I am fruitful, Mm. I was sitting in my living room and Periscope Mm. was a big thing. Yeah. That's so funny. It was, (laughs) um, and I hopped in this group. I don't know how, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, I was like, it had, the title had something to do with miscarriage. And I thought, huh, well, mm. okay, let's see what this is about. And it was this couple sitting in their kitchen, I think at their table, and they were just talking about um, 
miscarriages and they were praying. They were mm. praying about, um, I can't remember details. They yeah. were praying about needs and, mm. um, uh, shouting people out. Like people would come in the room like, Hey, welcome to the room, such yeah. and such. Welcome to the room, such and such. And, um, I think people were asking for prayer and, um, sending wow. out prayer requests and they were praying on the spot and a prayer hit me. Mm. I was like, Ooh, that was good. What like is I this needed ministry? that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I related to what was to the prayer needs, mm. and they prayed to something that I needed. I'm mm. like, oh my gosh, I didn't know groups like this or yeah organizations like this existed. And so I um, looked more into it um, and found out that I am fruitful. Uh, was founded by Lauren and Billy Bourne. Mm. They're a couple um, here in the DFW area and had just gone through their own infertility journey Mm. and wanted so much to have a place Mm. where people could process and grieve in a healthy way. I was like, what? There's a healthy way to do this? I know, right? And other people do this? this? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, where was this? I know, girl. Let me tell you. Healthier me. Yes, yes. (laughs) And so, um, I think after that, um, did a lot more journaling Mm -hmm. and praying and apologizing to my Mm -hmm. husband. Um, That was when I realized, oh, you know, she's she's got her husband there with her in the kitchen, and they're talking. Like wow, there there's a whole other side to mm. this. And okay, I totally want to hone in on this friend. Yeah, because I've had a lot of listeners message me and talk about I've never thought about my husband's side. Oh my gosh! And I think that is so common, um, and and a piece that we don't teach on in this infertility, miscarriage, trying to conceive, build your family world. Yeah. And even for us right now, we've just entered into this child-free phase because I've just had a hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, and even in that that aspect, any of those areas, we're not educating people well in how to actually do this as a couple. Mm. Because and Jason will be my Jason will be the first one to tell you that my body has been the one going through it, right? right? So he can never feel as much of it as I do. But it fully affects him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that you were so um, quick once the revelation came to make that shift. And I, I want to come back to this too, like the journaling and the writing him letters. Like, I, I hope some listeners heard that and will take that tip. Because sometimes we don't know how to be brave enough to sit in front of the person. And that's okay. But see, what I love that you guys have done is you were like, okay, I can't, I can't do this right now in person, but I'm going to write you a letter. Yeah. And then you were willing to have the conversation. So it's not just um, coming to the table with like, here's a letter, how I feel. But then it's taking that extra step and like, let's talk about it. And, and I think even sometimes for, for men, that might actually be a great tool as well because Jason will say all the time on here, like, I didn't know how to tell her how I felt, yeah. you know, but you doing that allowed also allowed Jason the space and the permission to start thinking like, oh, maybe I should say something too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you gave him permission to do that when you showed up to, to say, here's how I feel. And then secondly, I think what is really key is that when you did have that revelation, like you asked for forgiveness. Yeah. I mean, friend, that is showing up. Yes, you didn't show up before, but you showed up in that moment. And I think that's so key. And I hope that women and men will both hear that, that a moment of asking for forgiveness can actually diminish so much pain and uh, gives the person permission to walk away from that so that they that together you can move forward in the grieving, in, in the experiencing what needs to happen together. That's good. And so I love that you guys navigate. I love that I Am Fruitful came into your life in that moment. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how you just saw them together and like saw their inner and, and the revelation came. Yes, yes. And that's, that's my yeah. biggest desire for this podcast is that someone will hear one thing mm-hmm. and the awakening happens 
so that they can shift the trajectory of how they're walking this journey. And, and it doesn't matter if it is infertility. You know, we talk a lot on here about it can be barrenness in your marriage, barrenness in, uh, in your singleness, right? Single mm-hmm. people can be so barren in their lives. And maybe it's barrenness with an addiction. It can be so many things. But the moment that we can connect to something that shifts our thinking, then that's an awakening, right? Like the spirit of God awakening us so that then the behavioral things can change. But we have to, you know, there's a lot of talk about behavioral change and working on yourself and self-awareness. And I'm all about that. But if you don't have an awakening on the inside of you, if your spirit doesn't awake to truth, then the behavioral things aren't changing anything that's happened. But what you guys did is you started shifting the trajectory so that what had happened doesn't diminish it, doesn't take it away, but it allowed you to walk through it. (laughs) And I think sometimes without the asking for forgiveness and giving the forgiveness, and then without the taking the action of having that awareness and stepping into it, we just stay back there in the pain. Maybe nobody knows it, but we do. Mm -hmm. And so I think what is so cool about your story is I see as you're talking, like the moments that God set up for you to be able to walk through it. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years down the road it took you, but... But you got there. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Um, So tell us a little bit, um, you know, you've written Jason letters. You guys are having different conversations. You've asked for forgiveness. What did that do? Like, and maybe it didn't do anything right away. I don't know. But like share with us a little bit about how um, together you kind of started walking it differently. Um, It didn't do anything right away. Yeah. I I mean, that's totally normal. I think... um, for him, it gave him permission mm. to do whatever he needed to do to grieve. Yeah, that's I good. I think it made him feel okay mm. to hear from me, I know that you are hurting too. Mm. Whatever that may look like. Yeah. Um, know that I understand that you are hurting too. Mm. It's probably the first time he was like, Oh yeah, I am. Yeah, I am kind of feeling something. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Now he he's a quiet guy. He's quiet natured anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when he speaks, I, I I lean in. Yeah. Um, his background's in journalism, so he he wrote a lot anyway, mm. and that's just kind of how we got to know each I other. I love that. I love that uniqueness letters. about you guys. That's amazing. Um, so love. Our love letters um, developed our relationship. That's amazing. Um, I don't think he was able to really... I didn't notice that he really grieved um, out loud, in a sense, Mm. until we had our third miscarriage. Mm. And that was in 2016. Wow. Um, I was working a lot Mm. and kind of moving into a career and... Mm. Um, we had a really, really hard conversation, um, Mm. because I was done again Mm. (laughs) and I got comfortable with Mm. where we were and the idea of adding more to Mm. our family made me scared again Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be, so we had, we had our sage at this point. I have found um, I am fruitful. Yeah. Um, and then kind of went on living, you know, mm-hmm. we, we stepped through a, um, a level of healing. We communicated, but then, um, he admitted mm. that he really wanted another baby. Mm. And it was really hard for me to hear because part of me is like, this is my body. Mm. I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. But then he's like, well, I'm not done Mm. and I'm not tired. And you know, he understands. That's a big conversation. It was really hard. Yeah, that's big. It was really hard. We cried. And I just remember saying, okay, Lord, Mm. I'm, I'm going to love my husband in this way Mm. by surrendering this to you. Yeah. I have to surrender this to you. And in fact, I physically surrender my body 
to you. Mm. Um, and whatever happens, mm. happens. Yeah. Um, and he admitted he wanted a son. I had mm. never heard him say that out loud. Wow. And it, I think that conversation, it was a t- really tough conversation. Y'all I, talked I, about I, all the things. And I, I felt some pressure. Mm, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was um, anxious. Yeah. Um, mm. But it was, it needed to be had. Yeah. Um, That's good. So we got pregnant. And I remember having a conversation with the Lord. Like, Lord, <laughs> please let this be a boy. <laughs> So you I know, can be done. You hear my son. I mean, you hear my husband's heart yeah, for a that's son. Good. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I have no control in this. Yeah. I'm completely surrendering the situation yeah. to you. This is a God-sized situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember the day we were all in the, um, with the Sonotech mm-hmm. and she revealed that we were having a son and, you know, that's lots amazing. of tears. Yeah, lots of course. Of tears, but, um. But hearing him finally say, you know, after that moment, yeah, um, I think I think I'm done too. Yeah, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Just relieved. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, one Bonnie Ruth was that thankful that I had loved my husband in that way, mm-hmm. that I could see past myself That's and good. past my fears. That's good, Lachey. Past, yeah whatever I was afraid of. Yeah. Um, That's good. Really, to be honest, I had to get over that spirit of poverty. Mm. I was yeah. afraid of lack and afraid of not having enough. Yeah. That's really what, that's mm. just going to put it out there. That's good. That's what I was afraid of after mm. every child. I wow. Afraid of not having enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was even something that we had to wow. work through, the yeah. spirit of poverty. Yeah. Friend, that's that's a lot. Like, here's what I love about you guys is I think people minimize how marriage actually is two people showing up yeah. with their needs, with their fears, with their wants, with their the things they don't want. And what happened is... Jason showed up to say, I really want this. And you showed up to say, I really don't. But both of you were willing to look at, well, do I really need this? And you were willing to look and say, should I really engage this? Right? And so sometimes what happens is somebody else in the marriage shows up and they start sharing what they want or what they need. And we're like, you're so selfish which I'm sure that might have come out of your mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, came out it, it, feel, it feels that way. Like, this is my body. Yeah. And yes, yes. Like, what your body was going through was huge, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I want to point out the beauty of how you guys were willing to kind of have the pull and tug. You know, the tug of war of navigating what you both wanted and what you both did not want. And what happens is you show up and you just keep tug of warring until it lands in the thing and I don't I don't see it that you conceded or he conceded or he got what he wanted and you didn't it's like you guys just kept at it mm-hmm. until the thing happened that needed to happen and when that happened look at you immediately came on the same page and I think if some people would tug a war a little bit longer yeah. Yeah. and like let it happen, whatever it is, we actually will get on the same page. That's and good. and Jason and I have had the same thing where he's like, I want a kid and I'm like, I don't. Or yeah. I'm like, I want kids and, and he doesn't yet. I mean, yeah. we've, I mean, in 19 years, we've had a lot of those conversations. Yeah. Um, but what I love is that we just kept tug of warring and we always ended back up on the same page. That's good. And that's what you guys did. You didn't blame each other. I mean, let's be honest. Like the yeah. conversations yeah. were probably not that pretty. They but that's what I mean yeah. by tug of war. Like there's a there's a give and take. And I think if we are unwilling to see the other person when they show up and say, I want this and I need this, to then also show up and say, I don't and I don't, but let's figure it out. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean that you're 
any more selfish than Jason or vice versa when you show up and you say what you need. What it means is you're comfortable enough yes. to allow the other person to say what they want and what yeah. they don't. That's and good. then regardless of how regardless regardless <laughs> yes and 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 I think you have to process your emotions and your mm. feelings and like make sure and we talk a lot about this on Bear and Not Broken you have to give your feelings a voice yes. because otherwise they're going it's going to your emotions need a voice cuz mm. they're going to come out mm-hmm. in some kind time. of way yeah. <laughs> um and so give give your emotions a voice That's but good. that may be where you write those out and then you have the conversation and you keep having it until you can navigate to unity. And I think so many people give up before the unity point comes because they're too busy blaming and too busy accusing of selfishness and you don't understand, well, you don't understand and why can't you and I thought you. Mm-hmm. And all of that's happening and it's very real. I don't want to diminish the fact that those are very real things. Yeah. But when you get down to the root of it, when you get down to the layers, mm-hmm. which good. is what the tug of war reveals, yep. um, I think, and if you're, if you are taking time to, to name your emotions and give them yeah. a voice separately and together, then you're navigating your way to unity mm-hmm. and only good is going to come out of that. And when you experience the trauma or the loss or the deaths or the things that come in, in, in those seasons, you're still in a trajectory of unity. That's good. Because you're having the conversations, you're showing up and you're not you're not allowing the accusations to set in, right? That's I might be good. like, "Oh, you feel so selfish right mm-hmm. now, right?" But I'm not going to label him as selfish. That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily what he's doing. And so see the difference and I think you guys did that. Like that's what I see. Like you're like, "Oh, you you're so selfish right now." Well, actually, okay, I love you. I know you're not trying to be selfish, yes, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and so instead of labeling our spouse as selfish or you don't understand, that's actually not true. They don't understand our piece, mm-hmm. but they sure have a piece. Yeah. And there is an aspect to our story and our journeys that they understand. And if we label them, oh, we miss out. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm the wor- I've been the worst at that. So I just, I want to say thank you for like bringing that up because I think there's a lot of couples that need to hear um, that one, you can get to unity, yes, right? Can. And to, to have that moment where you're both like, okay, we're done. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a lot of stuff that led you to that point, but girl, you guys made it to that point yeah. and it was the hard conversations or the letters for yes. you guys, which I love. Yes. Um so tell me a little, did you want to say anything else around that? Because um, that was bomb. That was some great nuggets right there. I think that was good. I can't awesome. think of anything else. Um, so tell us a little bit. Um, you've shared kind of what, um, and we'll kind of wrap up with this, I think. Um, you've shared a little bit about I Am Fruitful, and I know you're super involved with them. Um, I would love to just kind of hear like two nuggets that you've taken away from being a part of a ministry. So let's do it this way. One nugget that's been so impactful for you and then one that you've been able to help impact someone else. Because I know you get to love on love on mamas as well. Um, grieving will look different for everybody. Mm, that'll preach. That preached to me. Oh, yeah. And the moment I grabbed a hold of that, I think I was able to freely um, grieve in a way I needed to for me and allow my husband to grieve in the way he needed to for him Mm. and then together as a couple. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because every couple grieves differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It looks different for everybody. And um, so that's what spoke the most to me Mm. and what I've learned um, working alongside these amazing powerful women Mm. Um, and so something for someone else like what's impacted you in helping others you know you've been able to kind of allow those grieving to lean in on Mm -hmm. you you know so kind of what's impacted you as you've been navigating and helping someone else Oh my gosh, so many things. <laughs> you you can have more than one. <laughs> um, 
don't stop the process mm. of healing. I, I mm. just like our process of, um, um, learning and growing in our walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I feel like the process of grieving or the process mm-hmm. of healing, grieving, I feel like needs to have, a, um, um, I don't know how to say that. I think I know. I, I see on your face right now, like grieving doesn't need to last forever. Yes. Yeah. There always yeah. will maybe a sting in a place where grief dwelt. Yeah. But you don't have to live in grief. That's good. Yeah. You can. Is that is that what you were trying to say? It can coincide with joy. Yes. They can coexist. Yes. Yes, they can. Yeah. 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 That's good. I love that. I hope that made sense. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Um, If there was anything, if you were sitting in a room full of women right now or couples that have walked through a miscarriage, two miscarriages, three miscarriages, multiple miscarriages, or are walking a journey of having hard conversations around trying to build your family, what would be a few things? Let's, Let's take two things that you would just want to say to them before you walked out of the room? Grieve with hope. Mm. I love that. Grieve with hope. Mm. Um, Knowing that God has an answer. Mm. And I've heard you say this, Bonnie, there's a purpose in the pain. Mm. Yeah. Um... And that's your story doesn't stop there. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I love that. The the purpose and the pain doesn't diminish the pain. Right? Right. Right. And it doesn't our stories don't stop in our pain. Mm-mm. Like there there's more to us. There's more to our stories. There's more to our marriages. There's more to our families and our legacies. Yeah. And so I, oh, that's good. I love that. That'll preach too, girl. I remember sitting down with our girls and I'll, I know we're wrapping up. No, but, you're good. Um, the, our last miscarriage, we actually, we had just told our girls that we were pregnant. Oh, wow. And then we found out shortly after that there was no heartbeat. I had actually gone through what was a blighted ovum. I had never mm. heard about it. Didn't know it was a thing. My body was growing, my stomach was getting bigger, but there was no baby. So my mm. my body thought I was pregnant. Wow. But I wasn't. Wow. And so people are like rubbing my belly oh. and uh, you know, saying congratulations and you know, we're preparing. Yeah. And I'm looking at maternity clothes. Wow, friend. There's no baby wow. growing in my body, but my body's growing. It was oh. so bizarre. Wow. Um, but we had to walk through that grieving process with our girls. And mm-hmm. I just remember trying to explain to them and at their age. Yeah. We, you have siblings in heaven. Yeah. You have three siblings now in heaven. Yeah. And they cried. Yeah. And it was so, you know, oh, there was a heartache there. Yes. Um, as a mom to see that. But yeah. um, we were able to do it together. And um, I even think that was... Um, healing for me yeah. just to be able to welcome our kids into that and they bring it up yeah, at different times and we just talk about it Oh, I love I love that you are navigating that with your kids and I, I really hope some people are taking that in because and this goes back to one of the first things we talked about the yeah. isolation that happens in miscarriage mm-hmm. and sometimes we isolate those closest to us and I think um, when couples have gone through miscarriages and they do have kids, they often don't involve them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really sad thing because one, it reinforces to the couple, well, this baby doesn't really need to be celebrated. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really like it. We minimize the life that was inside of us, no matter how developed it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jason and I are very pro, like, every life should be celebrated and you should be able to say, we have babies in heaven or we've we've miscarried, like, you know, owning the fact that you became parents in that moment, yeah. no matter 
if you've held that baby or not. So we, we are huge advocates for that. Yeah. But what is incredible is that you're allowing your kids, and some may say like, oh, they're too young. No, 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 no. They sense though. Yeah. And if you're isolating them from your pain, they are still sensing your pain. Mm-hmm. That, that, that does not leave the environment and the atmosphere in which is being created in a home is still being sensed by especially by kids because they can sense and feel everything. Yeah. They're tender little hearts. But if you actually help them put words yeah. in a situation That's and the good. ability for them to also name their emotions, then what you've done is you have begun to create a healthy atmosphere in your home That's so good. that when pain happens, when pain happens, when loss happens, because it's going to, mm-hmm. at this age, they've already been able to start navigating that with you guys. They don't. They no longer have a concept of isolation because even though you think they don't know you're isolating, that is exactly what you're teaching them to do because they sense the pain. They sense that there's something not right, but you've isolated, and so you've told them, oh, we don't talk about that, we isolate. That's good. So what you guys did is the exact opposite. And you told them, we're not going to isolate in this. This is real. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's beautiful. My best friend, her son, um, he started asking why Uncle Jace and Auntie BR don't have kids. And so she's like, you know, he was in that phase of like teaching him about loss and grief and she had lost her mom, so she also had started, he had asked about that, and so mm-hmm. they had to navigate a lot of conversations, right? Yeah. And so she shared with him, well, Uncle Jason, Auntie BR, they, they have a baby in heaven, and her name is Kaya Praise, and they have two other babies in heaven. And he goes, so he comes to see, he comes over to hang out, and she warns me, you know, she's like, we've had this conversation, yeah. I don't know what he's going to say to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the most beautiful thing to watch, that she, he was feeling sad because he didn't have Uncle Jace and Auntie BR have a little friend for him, right? And in his world, that's all that mattered. But she was able to navigate him to understand loss, but also that look at Uncle Jace and Auntie BR. They love to play with you guys, right? And she could navigate that, and it was so beautiful. And now almost every time he sees me, he's like, you know your baby in heaven? I'm like, I do, I do. And he just thinks it's so great that he can talk about our baby in heaven. And it's the most precious thing. And I think if parents will bring their kids along in the right, right? You're going to say it a little different than you would tell your best friend. Right, right. (laughs) But if you'll bring them along like you guys did, oh, Lachey, what a healing that is. And, and what you're doing is shaping a legacy that understands freedom, that understands how to walk hard things together. And then you're shaping a legacy that gives permission for your kids to navigate in a healthy way. And I could not commend that enough. I could not commend that enough. So I'm, I love that. That's how we just wrapped up because we're, we're going to be done, but that was beautiful in sharing that. Thank you so much. And, um, I, I'm going to make sure that I mention I am fruitful as well on my Instagram and I follow them and they are in a beautiful ministry, like connecting with women. And, yeah. um, are they only in the DFW area? I kind of want to get you to just share a little bit about, um, as we are wrapping up, just, um, where they're out, how people can connect with them and find them, whether they live in DFW or not. Yeah. So, uh, the goal is to go worldwide. Awesome. We, we ship hope boxes around the world to awesome. grieving families. Awesome. Um, we, you can find I Am Fruitful at IamFruitful.org. Cool. Um, I Am Fruitful on Instagram. I Am Fruitful mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and we're always accepting mm-hmm. um, um, volunteers, people who have a heart to come alongside others. Yeah. Maybe if you, maybe you haven't experienced loss and you just have a burden on your heart mm. To, yeah, to love on those families. To love on families yeah. and people who have um, walked this this uh, this this challenging season. Wow. So um, we have volunteers in different states. Um, there's an application online. Everything's available on the website. I am yeah. Um Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it is an incredible ministry, and I'm so glad that you're a part of that. 
Um, I, I love one that you get to benefit from it, yeah. but I can't think of a better person to come alongside and love on a mama. Um, you are so tender and gracious and you have the sweetest relationship with the Lord and that just comes out. It shines so bright from you. And so I know that my life has been touched by that, just how compassionate and tender you are. Um, but also truth speaking, like I love that you can just drop some truth bombs and I'm like, oh dang, she just did that in the nicest way. And like, I can't even be mad about it. Um, and you've always been that way. And I just, I love that about you. And I just can't think of a better person to come alongside moms who are grieving and you not only can empathize, but you also can speak life and truth. So I hope that the listeners today are soaking in everything that you're saying and and sharing your story and that they're going to walk away knowing that they can grieve healthy. Amen. That's the main thing that I've taken today is like every piece of it looked different and it didn't all look so pretty, yeah. but you can still grieve healthy yes. and you can still have hope. And I, I love what you said there. Um, just don't let it be the end of your story. That's good. You know? So yeah, yeah that was good. You said that. <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you for being Amen. with us today. Thank you listeners. I'm so honored that you came along the conversation with Lachey and I today. And I am really hoping that you took some of the tips and nuggets that she shared and are able to apply them to your story and able to become awake on the inside of you to start living your story, living the barren places in your life and not live broken.